Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw Alright, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell, Danny Canal, Raja Bell, hanging out this Wednesday. Big show lined up for you. We're gonna talk about the height of QBs. Okay. Does it matter or not? Kawhi Leonard's taking three games off in a row. Yeah, I don't love it. Sure you're you're rested, okay with sir. it. And should Tom Brady retire if he wins the Super Bowl? We're gonna dive into all, all right. that and more. I wish we had like a pre-show camera set on us yeah. because we had some really good topics today that we just sure. kicked around. Sure. Uh, handshakes, the proper way to handshake, you know, do you go in for the dap? Do you go for nope. the traditional? Do you go for the bro hug? Like what all do you do in the different levels of that? Yeah. That might have to be a podcast only, uh, special. Yeah. But gener- generally speaking, I think that if it's again, I, I equate it to like having people over for dinner. Yeah. Like if you make the food too spicy, it's not for everyone. So you keep it relatively vanilla and then you provide all the condiments. So I'm going to come in with your basic shake. Yeah. That will take care of everybody I approach. Right. Right. Now, if you want a little extra and we can determine that either in your walk up, your swag, (laughs) or like in the midst of that original vanilla shake. Right. And we can throw some toppings on it. Yeah. But you take care of it all by just coming in for the basic. You can figure it out. You can figure it out. I think I went a little too far. This golf tournament I ran into Carson Palmer. Yeah. Uh, quarterback. I thought we were like part of the club. See, he gave me the the traditional. I gave him a little bro hug. Yeah, and he adapted to it, which so it wasn't awkward. But I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone in. Yeah, for you bro can't. Hug. You and can't. Then it kind of starts off things on the wrong foot. That's what happens. It's all it's awkward. awkward. Yeah, you're like, oh, this guy. You know. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. But we'll have to do a podcast only uh, special on that one. John Gruden, mm-hmm. head coach of the Oakland Raiders. Who has, uh, he made seems wonderful- like, he seems like the type of dude that would always screw up a shake. Like, yes, the awkward. dude who always screws up a shake is a dude who's like cooler or thinks he's cooler than he is. Yes. Right? I think that's a fair assessment. Right? He'd yeah. always be the dude that's coming in for an extra little bit on top of the hug, the bro yes. hug. Fair, when fair we, enough. We could just be like, yo, dog, right, exactly. right here, bang. Exactly. Yeah. It's all all right, so anyway, yeah. So the, uh, John for the rest Gruden. of the show, everybody you bring up, I'm going to tell you what kind of okay, like. Okay, all right, cool. We right. should, that's how we should judge people. Yeah, by their handshake. Kind of, right. kind of handshake. Definitely a, 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 a too much. Doing too much? Doing too much handshake. Yeah, doing too much handshake. Uh, so he, John Gruden, head coach the Raiders, the same one that traded away Amari Cooper mm-hmm. the Cowboys, traded away Khalil Mack, has given his us his thoughts on quarterbacks. His official quote says, I no longer think QBs have to be tall. I used to think that a lot until I saw Drew Brees. This is John Gruden twice a year in Tampa. Then I met Russell Wilson coming out of NC State, and now I'm going to watch this kid, Murray, coming out of Oklahoma, and I'm putting away all the prototypes I once had. I used to have a prototype for hand size, height, arm strength, all that stuff. Gruden said his only concern now is what he sees on the field. Finally, we get somebody who's a long-term NFL guy who does, who's going to evaluate the way you should. You should not care how big a guy is if a guy lights it up on the field as much as Kyler Murray does or Baker Mayfield or anybody else that's shorter. Look at how they play when you watch the film. If they can play, they can play. It shouldn't matter how tall they are. I agree. Those are all measurables and what you can't measure is someone's heart. You can't measure someone's ability to lead like men, and and you can't measure whether someone just has that that it bone, whether they're a gamer, whether they're ready to play when the lights come on. There are plenty of six five, two twenty, like cannon of an arm dudes who just you know can't operate when the going gets tough. And so yeah, why measure things that 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 like really can't quantify whether a guy's built for that moment? Now pure like surely like there's there's data. Uh, that, that suggests like the bigger, stronger guy could take more hits. Could throw, you know, there's all of that, right? But 
But I'm I'm with John Gruden in this. Dude. Even those the, things you can't measure. Even the tallest quarterbacks, which we have a list of here, Brock Osweiler being the tallest, six seven, Joe Flacco six six, Nick Foles six six. There's no guarantee just because you're tall you're going to be good. In fact, there's been more evidence that if you're over, if you're too tall, it's actually going to hurt you in the league. Yeah, like, there haven't been that many guys that are six seven, six eight that have been good in the NFL. It seems to me like six three to six five is the sweet spot, but that right. by no means means that's the recipe. No, for sure. I, I have this argument with my wife a lot because like I, I'm tall. My wife's family is relatively short. I do say this, and people are going to hate me for this. You give me. A six four guy that can do all the same things as a five ten guy, and I'm talking about we're comparing apples to apples, and almost I'm taking the six four guy for sure, right? So I like, oh so, yeah, we have this argument about soccer. My wife was a college soccer player. Her brother played soccer. His sister all played college soccer, and I say that our best athletes here in America don't play soccer. So if you put Russell Westbrook um, on a soccer field, like you would be killing, like you know, for his life, for a lifetime, and you taught him how to do it and knew the ins and outs. You would be competing on the national stage in World Cups and so on and so forth because that's a six four athlete versus a a six one athlete fast twitch nine even yeah you know what I mean but yeah. but so given that opportunity to have apples to apples I'll take the bigger guy but right. it's not always apples to apples and there's also something about taking flyers on guy like when co when coaches scouts look for potential they're yeah. gonna look for size it's just a matter like because sure. you're going to probably have more natural arm strength you'll be more durable if you're taller if you're a little bit bigger so they'll always take the risk it's easier to take a risk on a guy who's six four than to take a risk on a guy who's five eleven but true. The deal is, if you're as good as these guys have been the last couple of years, then you should take them no matter how big they are. It shouldn't matter. I get, I go nuts, and this is about, it'll start about now. We'll find quarterbacks, and all of a sudden they'll play like, they'll play okay in college, but because they go out there and they, they're tall, and they have a certain height and weight, and because they can run a 40 a certain time, and because when they're in shorts and a t-shirt, they can go out there and rip the ball 70 yards down the field, they'll start slowly vaulting up these draft sure. boards. That's never going to change. That drives me nuts. That's never going to change. It's the same with it's basketball too. Like you get a right. guy they all think they athlete. can find the guy, the diamond in the rough, and develop him. Right. And you and you can't wait. Again, another thing you can't measure is how a guy develops. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like how far along he is on his learning curve. Most guys are going to look at that piece of clay, if you will. That's six five. Or six six quarterback with the rocket arm can't read a defense yet. Really raw. You're like, man, I can teach him all that he needs to know because the you know the physical is yeah. there. But you don't know where you don't know how how that guy learns. You don't know whether you know he's got an ability to grow where he's at on his on his you know whether uh, as it pertains to his ceiling uh, or his floor. Like you know those things you can't measure. Uh, Ryan Wilson, our draft expert here at CBS Sports, uh, has four quarterbacks going in the first round this year. Dwayne Haskins, 6'3", Drew Locke is 6'4", Kyler Murray, 5'10", Daniel Jones from Duke, 6'5". That's where he has him projected to go in the draft. Kyler Murray, interesting to the Redskins, uh, with the 12th pick in the draft. Uh, I don't, I, Kyler Murray is this case study that I think is going to be unlike we've ever, anything we've ever seen because of the baseball aspect, because I think there's going to be teams, no matter what he says, in the back of their mind, they'll be like, does he go to football? Does he go back to baseball? Right. And then the 510, as much as Gruden can say that, is he going to draft him? You know, like we'll see, like it's easy to go out there now and say it. It's another thing to be the team that actually takes him. I would take him. I would say if I'm in the need for a quarterback, I'm going to take the guy who's had the best season out there, mm -hmm. but I would probably lean like you're talking about. Like you said before, Dwayne Haskins is tall. He's big, he's mobile, and he had almost just as good of stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to take the safer Correct. pick because I want to make sure my job's on the line. Because, you know, like if my job is on the line, I'm going to take the guy that looks a little bit safer and is a little less risky. And I, th I do think there's risk in drafting Kyler Murray. There is risk in drafting him, but you're comparing, like you're comparing a guy 
who in his own right had a phenomenal season. Yeah. Like there are things there that are proven like to translate from college football to end of his accuracy, his ability to throw the ball, it, it th- that's a thing. You right. know what I mean? You're not drafting him off of just size and purely off of potential. I would ask you though, like of the Drew Locks and 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 the Daniel Joneses, like Kyler Murray had a better statistical year than them. Yes. But in terms of playing that position, like being a quarterback, where would you rank those three? Is Kyler at the top of that list? So I think Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray for me are one A and one B. Okay. Like they're the tops of my list. They're very similar, but I would probably lean Haskins. And then I, I would not take Drew Locke or Daniel Jones in the first round. Okay. But they probably will go there because teams get desperate right. for it. Like right, if right. it was my franchise, I wouldn't lack at it. Uh look at it. A lot Danny, of these guys Danny, what goes into hand size? Because everybody that's like the hot topic all the time and Drew Locke we saw is six four but he had nine-inch hands, which That's, is, like, below average. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, and Russell Wilson had, like, over 10-inch hands, and he was only Where do they measure it. from? I think it's from, like, the crease yeah. or to the top of your middle finger. To the top of your middle? Yeah. Okay. And I don't even know what I had. I think it's. I think so much of this stuff is so stupid and so worthless. Uh, Sam Darnold, I don't think he had huge hands, but I would watch the film and look at all the times he fumbled and say, That's a problem. Like, can a guy hang on to a football or not? Right. Some teams, you know, they'll say, oh, if he's going to play in cold weather, inclement, you know, conditions, can he hold on to the football? And that's it. Again, go watch tape. See if he's thrown there before. And I'm, I'm saying you're cutting hairs. Like if two guys are identical and maybe a guy has a little bit slightly bigger hands, then I'll be like, all right, maybe that's the edge, but that is the last, last thing on the list that I'm even looking for. Correct. You know, like I would want to talk about handshakes. I would want to meet the kid and say, does he have a good handshake? Right. You know, like that would matter more to me. Hand size. Yeah. Will he he look me in the eye when we're talking? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and that's, that's the craziest thing about all this evaluation uh, process is I would want to, and it's really hard for me to jump on board with one guy or another without meeting them, without knowing them. Because that, to me, would be the most important part of the evaluation process. Give me 15 minutes with a kid. Let me see what kind of kid he is. Right. How does he, like, what are his values? What does he, what does he value uh, in life? How does he respond to some questions, which we're going to get into, some of these wacky questions. But I would want to know what type of person you are. What type of character, leadership, confidence. What do you display when I'm in a room with you alone? That would matter a ton to me. That was my favorite part of the the pre-draft process when I was in Cleveland, like we did all of this prep work. Like you've had all these people you have to look at. And there were these extensive meetings with like, you know, we'd have our West coast scout and you'd have your East coast scout and you have European scout. And then you'd have your whole front office. And we would literally go down just about every kid in the draft and you'd rate them, you'd grade them, you'd debate them. And then you'd slot them. Right. So by the time draft time comes around, you're not like scrambling to make your pick. You're checking guys off your list. That was our number one. He's gone. That was our number two. He's gone. So by the time it's your pick, you're at your your highest remaining guy on the board, and that's what you're going to take. Watching them play at like the pre-draft or watching them in our gym going through the workouts, that was cool for me. But sitting with them and enjoying the interview process, that was my favorite part of it. Right. Like really getting to know guys. Some of them were fake, and you could tell they were fake. <laughs> right. right out at you. Do you yep. know what I mean? Some They're of just them, giving you what you want to hear. They've been prepped by their agent to yep. say certain things, to dodge certain questions, to give you the vanilla package, you know, and that's fine. And then other guys really, like Bobby Portis I use, for example, the, the kid who plays, and Willie Cauley-Stein were two of my favorite interviews. They were just like super genuine dudes, right? Like they had no problem telling you about their past, whether whether it was a like a a, a – a, an embarrassing thing or, or something that painted them in a great light. They were just forthright and, and they let it hang out and it gave you a little insight into who they were and why, you know, they were who they were. And that was important, right? Because you want to know everything about the person you're getting in, in that process. You don't want things to pop up on you and be like, man, I missed all of that. When you were in this process, because the NFL takes a lot of heat sometimes and deservedly so at times, but other times I don't think it's that crazy to ask off the wall questions sure. to try to get them out of that 
routine. Yeah, I work hard. I spend all my time in the film room. I'm going to be a great teammate. So that you want to like shake them and just throw something different at them. Granted, you don't want to ask them about their sexuality. Some like some of the no. things that have come out that you're like, this makes no sense. But if you want to ask them, like, do you prefer dogs or cats? Or like, what do you like better, dogs or cats? Like, if you want to ask them something like that's just a little bit off the wall to get their reaction, right? See what they say. I am totally okay with it. And I got asked a lot of funky questions. I had no problem with whatsoever. And I, did you ever ask anything that was out of the ordinary or totally nothing to do with basketball just to see what they would yeah, say? Yeah, I asked a kid, Rashard Vaughn. He was coming out of Colorado and I watched him on tape. I think he went to the Bucks. He, he might be a good player. I haven't really followed him, but it wasn't a weird question. I just asked him, had he ever been in a fight? You know what I mean? Like, and it had nothing to do with basketball. I just want to know if he had been in yeah. a fight in his life because he was he was he soft or did, was the that was what I thought like yeah. that was from watching him play I felt like he could be soft and so that was just I wanted to know if he had been in a fight before and he answered my question with like no and I was like for my vote was then no one like, <laughs> right I can't do that because right. I can't you know personally like the way I'm built I don't want two guards coming into the NBA to be non confrontational and not want to scrap and if you're going to be a lottery pick potentially you got to have some dog in you, you right. Know? And so that was the weirdest question I asked. Right. Cause that there was at the combine, there famously was the test that the New York Giants gave and it was like 400 questions. It was a psychological evaluation test mm-hmm. and they were all true, false or yes or no. And one of the questions or like choose one or the other. Mm-hmm. One of the questions was, do you like dogs or cats? Um, it was one of them was like, do you get faint at the sight of blood? Are you closer to your mother or father? Right. Uh, all these questions that were very program, very deep and some of them were totally random. Um, you know, like, uh, do you cry when you get hurt or do you cry at movies? Yeah. Do you cry at like all these movies. And I just, every time I tried to answer, I was like, what do they want to hear? What do they want? Quarterback. You know, like, what do they want to hear? Of course you'd say dogs. Like who likes cats? Nobody likes cats. Right. Dogs. Um, but then like eventually I found out afterwards that you're the cats don't need attention and like so dogs so show that you're more needy or something right right right, right. you're about it like so maybe cats was the one that you wanted you to go with but i would be totally okay with it now what i do think is a real little ridiculous is drew lock it was found out uh that a team asked him about a test that he cheated on in the ninth grade right come on i don't think it's crazy to ask him about it but if you're holding like in 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 the in the sense that you want to get some kind of reaction, you want to see how he responds to it. But if you're holding it against him that he cheated on a chest in ninth grade, then nobody in the NFL would be drafted. Correct. Like to, to the- everyone has been there at some point, and I don't care how perfect you are, uh, we've all done it. Correct. We've all been like, there where you kind of did a little bit, you fudged a little bit. We've yeah, all been there. For parents listening with their children, like <laughs> I understand, but the reality of it is, every everyone has had a moment where you've had to like look at somebody's paper. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like so, if I'm Drew Locke, I'm like, listen. Yeah, I cheated on a test in the ninth grade. Yeah. I was 15. Exactly. That's the answer unprepared. you go with. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't do it now. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's that's the easiest way you can answer that. Absolutely. Or you say, I did whatever it takes to win. Correct. <laughs> I want I'll to get an A. tomorrow. Exactly. What do you need me to do? Exactly. <laughs> Patriots, sign them up. We're drafting them right there. Shots. Sure, do whatever you can to get drafted. Yeah. Kawhi Leonard, your boy. This is my boy. From the Spurs, gets traded to the Raptors, <laughs> has been a difference maker for sure. that team. They've been incredible. You think? So, he's had his injury concerns. One of the things that plagued him uh, with San Antonio. Right. So, the Raptors are being very smart, supposedly. They are calling it load management. He actually missed uh, practice Monday for a scheduled doctor's appointment. He's missed three games, and he's going to miss his fourth straight Regular season game tonight. Okay. Your thoughts. What is your beef? 
He gets paid $17 million a year to play basketball. Play basketball. Doesn't get, anybody want to play anymore? If he get, well, first of all, you're assuming that this is on Kawhi. It's not on Kawhi. This is squarely on the Raptors. You think it's squarely on the Raptors? It's not Kawhi saying, I don't want to play basketball. Um, and what you're discounting is if, if he should get hurt because you're not taking the necessary precautions, you're wasting $17.2 million because he can't play at all this year, right? And you're, you're coming off of a season. First of all, they're 11 and 2 without Kawhi. Right. So it's really not hurting the product. They're, they're, they're playing good basketball. Cause they play in a crappy Eastern Conference and they can get away with it. You've got one swing at being able to keep Kawhi in Toronto. You've put, you've put all your eggs in this basket when you traded DeMar DeRozan, someone who wanted to be there, right? This is a guy that you have no idea. You're rolling the dice, right? Mm-hmm. He's leaving a situation with the franchise who he felt misdiagnosed and mishandled his injury last year with the quad. Yep. You must do everything in your power as a franchise to show him that A, we got your back and we're going to protect you. B, we're going to make sure you're healthy. Like that's part of the recruitment process for Kawhi going forward. So if it means he's got to miss eight or nine more games this season than you would normally want him to miss as a franchise, then he needs to miss eight or nine more games than he normally would because this is your only babying opportunity. Dudes, you're babying him. You got to do. Like, let him cater to him. You've baby. given up a franchise guy in Demar Derozan to get him. You got to protect that. And I would also argue, like. He missed a whole season last year. This is an injury that no one could really put their finger on exactly what it was or how it had to be handled. You have to err on the side of caution with this. Nothing really matters in that Eastern Conference until you get to the playoffs. You're going to be in there. You have a chance to beat anybody in the East. Make sure Kawhi's healthy. I get it if you're around a back-to-back. I get resting a guy to make sure there's not too much of a workload on. But four games in a row seems over the top to me. It just seems like you're going too far with bubble wrap, like trying to baby model him too much. That's what I think is a yeah. concern. Like if there is something wrong and if he did have this doctor's appointment, is there an issue, an underlying issue that's there? If that's the case, then I'm okay with it. Like if there is an issue, right. if it's purely just rest, then I think it's ridiculous. And I'll tell you what drives me nuts. Because this was an issue probably two or three years ago. Remember Adam Silver had to come out and dress it. And they were like, hey, we can't have this anymore. Because LeBron, I think it was LeBron when he was on the Cavs, sat out like sure. a Saturday night primetime game sure. with, against the Spurs. The thing that bothered me about it then is that I thought it became like a status symbol for a lot of guys. Like it was cool to take the night off and go showcase what you're wearing, your thread right. on TV and yeah. be like, hey, I'm taking the night off. Like it's good. Yeah. You can do that. But then don't go out and play hoops at UCLA all off season and playing these pickup games every single day and show video of them all the time when you're supposed to be resting and you're making all that money and you're out there having that wear and tear on your body in the off season. That's ridiculous. It's true That's though. Ridiculous. If you're the workload, they're always listen, like, hey, wait, my, listen, the workload that it would take uh, to play in a UCLA play. Stop. <laughs> oh, come on. It's, you don't think it's so? It's pickup basketball versus an NBA <laughs> game and the rigors but, of travel practice. You've just, <laughs> you've left out all the travel that it takes to get to NBA games. Right, it's the a game. But yeah, dude, you're getting into cities at two o'clock and it's not an excuse because I was one of those guys. I wanted to play every night. I never, I wanted to. That's why I like you. I never wanted to play. You like, nobody wants to play anymore. Nobody wants to play their sport anymore. This is not a Kawhi thing. This isn't. All right. There are times. Kawhi thing I'm okay with. There are times when LeBron didn't want to play, but LeBron is one of those guys that you never really question. He's never injured. He doesn't miss games unless he tells you he needs a night off. And usually he, you know, he knows his body pretty well. What was fascinating to me, like, uh, was to see like, okay, so when I left the NBA, you were like, it was old school training staff. Some guys were starting to get into like the, you know, the NASM and, and stuff like that. Like Phoenix had a great training staff. Um, but when I came back into the NBA in the front office, teams had employed like, they had employed not, not just a strength and conditioning guy, um, and, and not just a trainer, but they'd have like a sports science guy in the building. Do you know? Yeah. And so he would be able to, you know, watch and monitor and chart your workload, let's say for like the last four games. 
and be able to build out specific practice plans to like Danny. So Danny's workload over the week has been A. So his practice on Monday has to be high volume, right? Mm-hmm. Lo- high volume, low reps, or, you know, like, they, and they'd have it tweaked to each individual player so that you would be at your optimum level of performance tomorrow night. Right. And it was fascinating to me because like they'd walk around, they'd be like, yeah, we got to get Danny out of practice. Right. Raj can keep going because Raj, didn't, but Danny's got to come out. Right. Right. Or they'd be like, okay, Raj didn't get enough. So you got to take Raj over there and you got to work him out. The science had come so far in, in the span of like three or four years and what they could kind of tell about your body by what you had already done and where you would be tomorrow that you have to imagine they're doing that for Kawhi and guys like that. So when you see them sit, usually their medical staff and the, those teams, they know what those guys need. But you know what I would like to see then if we all agree that, you know, this is a wear and tear on their bodies, back to backs, travel, all these things. And Adam Silver says, Hey, we have to play. Then let's cut back. If we know 82 games is too strenuous on these bodies and let's right. dial them back. Let's cut it down to 62. Too much money, bro. I know it's too much, too much money, money, but how fair is it to fans if you're a road team and you go up to pay to see LeBron and then you go and he doesn't play? Roll of the dice, homie. I hear you. What I happens? You. What happens? Uh-huh. Is it's a roll of the dice. I hear you. All right. Uh, Dennis Smith, uh, starts in his yeah. return to the Mavs. Uh, he had been a topic of trade rumors. He was a six game absence that was going on there. Coca, fill me out on some of the details here. What's going on with Dennis Smith Jr.? So it looks like Dennis Smith Jr. said he was sick. But Rick Carlisle believed he was sick, and then it looked like he was out having lunch with a fan. So then it came out that like he, there's just a giant rift between him and the organization. But now he's back because he's been put on the trade block, and he doesn't want this to look bad on him if he's just missing games, and they're saying it's because he's sick. It already looks bad, Holmes. It does look bad. Wait a second. <laughs> say he had lunch with a fan. It already looks bad. I'm hoping it's a fan of. No, it looked. It looked like he was. He was out, and a fan saw him getting lunch. So he like oh. wasn't getting lunch oh. with a fan. A fan saw him getting lunch. People gotta eat. Yeah, you could be sick. sick. You yeah, gotta you go out. You gotta go get on. something to lunch here. You Chick gotta go there. I do think uh, Rick Carlisle has a reputation for being kind of old school, a little bit harder on his players. Yeah. Maybe that has something to do with it. Younger player on his team just doesn't mix, doesn't jive well. well. But I do think Dennis Smith Jr. has to do some some uh reputation damage control. Yeah, so Rick Carlisle does have a bit of a reputation. Like Rondo notoriously couldn't get along with them and they had their things. There have been nasty, right? There have been other guys. They're also like guys that love Rick Carlisle. Dirk? I, I've never played for Rick Carlisle, so I can't really speak to it. Dennis Smith hasn't earned the right to act like this yet. He's a second year player. Um, I do understand his frustration though. Dennis Smith was a first round draft pick last year. They were in a rebuild mode. He got the ball in his hands. Um, his usage rate last year was like a 28.9, which is higher than Lucas is this year, which is 28.2. And Luca is still like a top 15 to 20 usage rate guy in the NBA. So point being Dennis Smith Jr. last year had the ball in his hands a lot to do what he wanted to do. And he produced like, no, he wasn't a star, but he was a young player. He was averaging 15.2 points a game in his rookie year, almost four assists. Uh, I mean, five assists, four rebounds. The next logical step for him is is in the 19 to 20 point a game range. Now you're talking about a young star, possibly. Yeah. Luca comes in, and now Dennis Smith Jr. You are not the alpha. Yep. This is Luca's ball, and rightfully so. Luca is a gangster. Mm-hmm. Like Luca is a like you know once in a generation type of. Uh, European player to come over to the NBA. And I, I mean that in all sincerity. Like, they don't come around all the time. That's Dirkish type stuff that he's doing. And it puts Dennis Smith Jr. in this really weird space because he's not ready to be accepting of that role. It's not something that you're cool with as a second-year pro. Right. That's something that you're like, 
and you're you're in your sixth, seventh, eighth year, and you, you want to win a championship, and you're secure in who you are. You say, "All right, Danny's better than me, so let me let me let me do my job." Raja, me and, and, and me and Debo, me and Debo were talking before about like it looks like more players are just leaving teams, like they're just going into exile. You have like J.R. Smith, Carmelo Anthony, Joakim Noah, Markel Fultz, Chandler Parsons, Dennis Smith Jr. These are just all guys who were just leaving their teams. Do you think like he's in a different category than those other guys that I mentioned? Excluding Markel Fultz, but like a Carmelo and a J.R. Smith and a yeah. Chandler Parsons. I think it's an interesting trend. Like I don't understand why teams don't. Are they getting fine paid? guys? Yeah, like I th- th- I would stop that if I was a franchise. But like you ain't here, you ain't yeah. getting your money. Right. So, but I do think he's in a different situation, Coco, because those guys are vets, and they you know most most of them have competed enough and have who they are as a player cemented in the minds of GMs across the league, whether that's good or bad. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like people know who J.R. Smith is. Yep. They know what you're gonna get when you when you bring uh when you bring in um with Joaquin Noah. You know, this young kid is still trying to carve out who he is in the league. He's trying to, you know, grab himself a little niche there. And so I wouldn't suggest an AWOL situation for him. It's too early in your career. Sit back. Be a good soldier. Do your job. If you want to trade, work all that stuff out behind closed doors. Don't let that become a media yeah. like spectacle. Uh, keep it keep it under wraps so that you're not painted in the light that the media will gladly, yep. gladly paint you in just to have something to talk about. Rick Carlisle actually came a little bit to his defense. I don't know if he really meant this or he's doing like the right thing. He right. said, quote, I do feel strongly that people should not look at Dennis in this situation now and judge him harshly. That he's doing something against his teammates or the Mavs or anything like that. I just think that this is a business type situation and this is what he's being advised to do. So I think it's very interesting because then he's probably getting bad advice from his agent, his fan, whoever it is. Shots at his camp. Talking to him. Yeah. Which I think is the safer place to go if you're Rick Carlisle. But I think, Sir, when you're sitting here and it's easy for me to rip a young guy, he's only 21 years old. Like I think how many stupid mistakes I made and how many times I might have quit on practice or walked out at that age. And you know, sometimes you just got to look at it and say, "Man, he's just an immature kid." Hopefully, he grows right. Uh, he grows up and he grows up fast. And this doesn't define him because that can kind of derail your career sure. if you get a reputation of being a crybaby or a quitter or somebody who's not going to yeah. be through the. Go top. to work, young fella. Do your job. Yeah, go to work. All right, so we love talking about awkward moments here on the show, as you can tell. So we have to talk about the most awkward handshake of all time. You guys talked about this at the top of the show. Check this out. This is Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao ran into each other at a Lakers game. Floyd was sitting courtside at Staples Center when Manny came up behind him to say what's up. Just look at this disaster. It's happening in slow-mo. Manny goes for the shake. Floyd goes for the dap. Oh, my God. This is hard to watch. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, he, like, grabs it's his so forearm. Bad. Oh, he's grabbing his arm. Oh, five. But see, I don't think Floyd, technically, if you watch it, I think Floyd was just going to, like, give him, like, a little punch, like, on the chest. Like, what's up? And then Manny's trying to give him a handshake, and Floyd is still going with the punch, so it gets even worse. Manny's like, what up, bro? How those courtside seats? Yeah, exactly. As I wander over to mine, how how are your seats? Draped in Gucci, too. It just got really awkward really fast. I think, who's on? Who's this on? I think, cause I think it's on both of them. Manny should have given up as soon as he like noticed it. You gotta yeah. like, you gotta just give up on it. Cause I if think, you hang there too long, it gets even worse. Like I think that's one where you don't even have to do any kind of physical exchange. You could just kind of like, yeah, as you're up? going by, just throw him some deuces or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? But and then you avoid the whole yeah, but then, awkwardness like, of the situation. Yeah, but people read into it and they're like, hey, maybe Manny's mad at, at him or something going nah, on. Ah, bro, like a, sm- a smile and a quick, like, yeah, what up, bro? I, you know, keep it moving. Right. 
Um, I don't know. I want to get back to this yeah. show. Handshake because people. we did talk at the beginning of the show. We were going to break down everybody that we yeah. talked about and what type of handshake would they do. Correct. Traditional, a uh, little, a little dap, a dap with a fist, yeah. a bro hug, right? Like all the different options that are there. So, so of names that we've spent any particular time on, you had Kawhi. Yeah, I think he'd probably do. I think he'd give you a little love, like a little, little, little yeah. half hug, bro yeah. hug. Definitely yeah. fist bump. His hands are too big. Yeah, his hands are too big. Kawhi's hands are massive. Yeah, just yeah. Yes. I don't want to shake his hand. They're like meat hooks. Like fist Jerry bump? Sloan had meat hooks. He'd be a fist bump guy, but I. I feel like, like. And he's kind of shy. Like, he probably doesn't want to do the bro hug. Once, a little too much. Once you got to know him for that reason, I think he's originally just a quick, like, dismissive, like, fist bump. Keep it moving. You gotta build the trust. Once you build the trust, you can get to something, like, unique with, yeah. uh, Kawhi. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. Younger dude. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say bro hug. Clown shell. <laughs> like clown what shell. Is, all of. <laughs> oh yeah. The little. Like uh, shooting gang sign, tap, tap, tap. Like yeah, roll the dice, all of that. Yeah. And a different one with every player Everybody. On the team. Everybody. Definitely yeah, yeah. clown shell. <laughs> I, I, I say that in like with. I have my daughters. We all. I have them with my boys and my team and all of that. Yep. Um, what's the coach's name from, um. Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton. The Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. He's going straight handshake. Definite two hand <laughs> yes. handshake. Yeah. Yeah. There one on top of the other. Yes. Yeah, well done. Tighten that up. Rick Carlisle. Yeah. Good job, young man. Rick Carlisle. See, I, we it's talked about this one. during break. Uh, I assumed it was going to be straight handshake, yeah. but you enlightened me. Yeah, I'm going to say Rick Carlisle with a little bit of soul, like yeah. a little bit of flavor. He played in the league a little bit. Like, I think Rick Carlisle would give you a really quick, like, bop. Yeah. Give you Just a tap something. on the back. He would, no, it would be comfortable. It would it not would be, be awkward. Comfortable. There would yes. be no awkwardness in that. That's the difference yeah. in playing and being a player and not. Yeah. Like, that's, you get that edge. For True sure. that. True yep. that. Is that all of them? Uh, yeah, I think that's everybody well, we spent time me? on. Who? High five. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> you saying, I did my boy right. I, 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 I feel it. like this doesn't count for women, right? Like with women, it's just a handshake. Yeah, I think. But it's no, always. but don't women do hugs or kisses too, though? That's oh, a good that's question. True. No, no, you're right. You're right. But it's, yeah. it's simple. I never have to think about any of it when I see someone. It's always really hugger? quick. I just follow their lead. No, if they go from the hug, I go for the hug. Yeah, are I we never a have hug? to worry about this handshake. Are we a hug with a kiss on the cheek? Yes. 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 Right. Yes. I feel like that's South Florida though, because I go other places Ooh. and I go to lean in. And right. Like, it's well. I think that's a lot of international because like right. European, correct. And like uh, uh -oh. you know, it's just it's what <laughs> I don't want to say. No, tell me now because no. we're gonna go to Super Bowl. I'm gonna be hugging and kissing a bunch of people who don't. No, <laughs> no, it'll be okay. You'll be in the south. So You're fine. Okay. If, yeah. And if girls engage the hug with the kiss, then it's different than a dude expecting the hug with the kiss. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like if you're really initiating awkward. that, Hannah, we're good. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I'm taking notes. I'm anyway, yeah. Out. <laughs> Thanks, all right, welcome back, Ken Ellen Bell. Leftovers. Uh, our boy Debo has tweeted out some pictures on our Twitter account at Word. Ken and Bell. Go check it out. We need more followers on there too. I'm a little bit upset we don't have more. That's a classic handshake. Thing. It is. You so you're shaking. Uh, this is the day I'm. You signed your deal with the Suns. Brian Colangelo. Yep. I hope his wife didn't tweet about me afterwards, like on a, from a Ooh. burner. Account. Oh, <laughs> oh <man. laughs> I love the. Colangelo. I guess she was probably saying, "What a great signing." That yeah, great I love them. They're Ryan. good people, man. Yeah, you look like there's a glow about you like that classic great feeling when you yeah. get paid <laughs> that is a fantastic feeling there for sure look out for more of those handshakes on our uh at canel and bell twitter account you know wait real quick yeah i signed my deal uh or wait i agreed to my deal with phoenix um it was like what is it august whatever the date is at midnight they can start calling you right mm -hmm. so i was in the shower when the phone started going off yep so i had like minnesota and kevin McHale. i had new jersey i had like seven teams call right and phoenix was one of the last teams to call they gave me a take it or leave it deal. Like might not be on the table in the morning. Really? I hate I'm like, those. Dang. <laughs> so I gotta circle back with everybody who's supposed to come in tomorrow. Yep. See if they'll make the offer. Tell like 
talk to my agent. So finally, I get the deal done with Phoenix. So I get it done like within the first two hours of free agency opening. Now there's this moratorium, like whatever they call it. Right. I was so nervous. I called my agent every day. Right. Is it done yet? It's already done yet. He's like, bro, you have to stop. You you cannot (laughs) sign it until there's a lot of money at stake. I was. It was the most nervous time of my life. Right. Thinking I had that money and then waiting to sign the deal for the money. All these dudes. How about the dudes like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? Now, granted, they've made a lot of money, so they've got security no matter what. But they're sitting on a contract that's going to probably be anywhere between 150 oh. million and 250 million. Like, would you be like nervous just driving around? Just like bubble wrap exactly. yourself. Exactly. Sit on the couch. Check. <laughs> I would wrap. be nervous as anything. Yeah. But you know, these guys have been there and done that. Uh, you know who else might be in the market for a new contract? Cole Beasley, wide yeah. receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. So he went on. This is a very interesting tactic. If you're looking to stay with the Cowboys, which he said he did. I will defend him slightly because he was on Twitter and he looks like he was doing a Q&A with some fans. They were asking him. Started off, some fan said, how is your ankle doing? Uh, started talking about it. So then he started responding to a bunch of, a bunch of people. So the first one he said, utilization is more important than money. Okay. Saying he wants to get more catches, wants to get more utilized. Then this is the tweet that really I thought opened up the can of worms that he doesn't want to go there. Honestly, the front office pushes who they want to get the ball to. I haven't been a huge priority in that regard. Maybe that will change, but I'm not sure. More balls come my way in the two-minute drill where nothing is planned. This, to me, is a direct shot at Jerry Jones Mm. in that front office. And then lastly, he says, doesn't mean I'm gone. I'll play anywhere where I can make more of an impact. I would love for that to be Dallas or anywhere else that will give me more pops to make an impact. I just want a ball. It's hard for three or four ops a game. Uh, good luck going back there with Jerry Jones. Now, maybe Jerry's cool. Like, and he, Des Bryant and him had a beef, and then they were at Jay-Z concert. Maybe he can get past it. But this isn't doesn't seem like the ideal way to make your best case to be back with the Dallas Cowboys. I think it's foolish. But the bigger point for me is this why I don't think the Cowboys will win a Super Bowl as long as Jerry Jones is the is is the owner. Yeah. I do think he meddles. There's I some do validity think, to that. Absolutely. I think he tells Jason Garrett, we got to get Amari Cooper 10, 10 attempts a game, which no other owner in the league would even think about it's doing. Really meddlesome. It is. It's tough. It's tough when you've got owners that that wanna... think they're they're the basically huge fans and they're kind of fantasy owners. Yeah, right? correct. They, they're they're doing fantasy football with real money. With real money. It's not a fantasy for them. It's it's no. they're just out there um you hire people for that. But you have to know when you go to the Cowboys uh that that's what it's going to be and as a like Cole, listen. If you're at a point in your career where you've made enough and you might be questioning whether you want to keep playing football and you just right. feel like saying whatever you want to say, <laughs> yes. then fine. But if you're a young player, what is he, a few years Six into years the league? Six years in, which is kind of crazy. He's had a really nice, productive career. And this is his second – like, it was his second most productive season yeah. this year, right? Yes. Like, you don't want to alienate anyone, my man. Like, right. if you can say that after you decide to sign with the Chargers. Exactly. You know you what I mean? New deal. You just got your three-year deal. You got a nice signing bonus. Then you can go shred the couch. Correct. All you want. Don't, I can't believe Jerry Jones was calling out plays. Don't take what? them out of the equation for, like, <laughs> bidding up your price right now. That makes no sense from a business perspective. No, not at all. When you were playing in the NBA, yeah. I'm sure you encountered a lot of hecklers. Oh, I mean, I think baseball and basketball have way more hecklers that are more effective because you can hear them. Right. In, in NFL, they're further away, and of course they're hecklers, but they're just not as close to you. Right. Where the NBA, they're courtside a lot of times, and they're yeah. there. It's personal. Did you have any hecklers that you thought were actually good and funny and that you liked that might not have liked your team? Yeah. Like there, they brought entertainment value. There was a guy that sat behind the bench in Philly. And he would write up these stuff, like he would write up these like yeah, little clips on a sign and he'd hold them up. And so every time you were in a huddle, you know, you're facing the stands. 
So everybody that was standing in the huddle would be reading his stands and like, I mean, his, his comments and laughing and stuff like that. He was pretty good. Yeah. See, like, I think even players can appreciate a good heckler. Like, yeah. if it's funny, even if it's cutting to you, like I had a guy one and he remembered back. He would say something, he said something about the clipboard, like holding the clipboard, and it was pretty funny. And right. I, I had just gotten benched, and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good one. Like, right. he got me. Like, I didn't right. have nothing to come back. And it wasn't, you know, cause obviously you don't want, you know, like the racist, homophobic, like all those stuff, which a lot of hecklers do, sure. which are uncalled for. You don't want those. But a lot of times you can appreciate somebody who's, you know, original and they can come up with something funny. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Beverly does not like this Dallas Mavericks fan who has now been banned. Don Nobler has been banned from home games for an interaction, an altercation, I guess you could say, with Patrick Beverly. When um, this courtside fixture profanely insulted his mother during an early December game. That's yeah, so you, you see, yeah, you see the little girl sitting right next to him with the glasses. Yeah. Um. So that's one of my best friend's daughters. He was at the game. Oh, really? Um. Yes. And so the fan crossed the line. Like he he told Patrick Beverly to like, yeah, something something with, with your mom, right? Yeah. And like again. I can appreciate some good heckling. Like, yes. the dude behind the bench. Right. Billy was funny. Like, and I'd stay stuff back to him. He had like a lot of like, like, you know, he had acne and stuff like that. And I'd be like, dude, you need to go get some proactive. Like, you know, oh, I'd oh. kill him, but, but they would laugh. laugh back? No, yeah, yeah okay. he would laugh. Like, we are having an exchange. Like, I can appreciate that. But when you start like cursing at my mom and right. talking about my wife and my kids and like stuff like that, now, now you've crossed the line of like, you know, there's a level of entitlement that you think you have because you're a fan and I'm just subject because right. you bought this ticket to whatever you want to do to me. Like, I, I crushed, I told you, like, I cursed a dude out in front of his eight-year-old daughter. Like, <laughs> we were, he was going we were in first. Charlotte. I cursed him out because he would not stop. And I asked him multiple times. And then he got all, like, offended when I cursed him out. And I'm like, my man, you've been acting the ASS in front of your daughter the whole game. Right. And I've been asking you to stop. So you, you don't get to then be like, oh my God, you would do this in front of my daughter. You did it all night. Right. You set yourself up for this. You set the tone. Correct. What if it was your, your mama jokes? Would that be all right if it was his mother? But you yeah. gotta be real careful with that. You gotta be careful with your mama. I had another situation like where my dad almost fought a dude in, um, in, uh, in LA at a Lakers game because they were like pouring like popcorn like on my mom and stuff. She had my jersey on. So like, right. again, like, That's don't, don't mess up. with people's mamas. New way to end the show. Trivia. Do you know Drew Brees had the highest completion percentage in the NFL? Do you know how the second highest completion percentage? No. Kirk Cousins. That's who. <laughs> That's right. I set myself up for that one. That was good. <laughs>